The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined today by Mark Immelman and Kyle Porter. And an exciting day out at, at Pebble Beach. The AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am has concluded, and the scores were quite high today. But a big congratulations goes out to Nick Taylor, fending off the, the big guns that were right behind him, and Phil Mickelson and Jason Day. Gentlemen, first of all, thank you for, for joining me. Uh, Mark, I know you were out there covering the action today on the ground. How tough was it playing out there? Man, it was brutal, Greg. I was looking through some of the numbers and I see the average score here in the final round was 74.42. Um, given how this place was the first two days when it was like a postcard, it was like someone switched on the fan. It was a cold, damp wind. 14 was like playing straight into the wind. So the way the golf course sits when you're traveling out, the north wind comes over your left shoulder. So for a right-hander, that's difficult and it's blowing toward the ocean. Then you turn back around on, on hole 11 and then you've got the wind coming sort of in and off the right-hand side. And anytime you get some respite, it's sort of down 16, 17 a little bit. So it was a tough day, but you know, wind aside, just the, the greens got firm and fast. And if you were above the hole, you were cooked. I mean, it was, it was really hard to get the ball into the right place because if you were above the hole, you were putting defensively from the get-go. All that being said, when when I watched this coverage, I, I was remarked at how many chip-ins there were. It seemed like Phil Mickelson was chipping in on every other hole, at least on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we had Nick Taylor chipping in, uh, I, I think it was two times. There were, there were chip-ins going in everywhere. Kyle, when, what, what was the biggest surprise for you this week uh, watching all that? Was it the short game action that we saw? Was it the fireworks around the greens? Well, the biggest surprise for me is that Jordan Spieth is still plus 2200 to win the 2020 Masters. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he should, he should be. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, honestly, like the biggest surprise might have been Jordan Spieth shooting 67 on Sunday. But, and I, I think, I don't know. I, hey, by the way, he saw me on the golf course and asked me to send you his best regards. <laughs> well, he'll, he'll text me later and, and thank me for all the publicity. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you passing that on, Mark. Um, I, I thought the, I don't know. I, I, I was a little disappointed in the way Phil closed it out. You know, it was, it was kind of there for him. And look, it's not, it, this sounds crazy. It's not just about winning this golf tournament. It's about, uh, not letting Kevin Streelman pass you down the stretch, getting into Mexico and solidifying your place in the U.S. Open. I mean, we can talk about, well, he's playing great golf right now. So surely he'll be in the U.S. Open. He was playing great golf this time last year. And then he faded so hard after Pebble last year that if the same thing happens this year, he's not going to be in the U.S. Open. So. I know that feels like forever away. Why are we talking about Wingfoot? Why are we talking about the U.S. Open? Well, that's going to be a big storyline. That's going to be a big deal. And him, you know, not – I don't think he was going to ever really win, but making those three bogeys over the last, whatever, seven holes, I, I thought that kind of surprised me uh, with the way he was controlling it uh, on, on Saturday in the early part of Sunday. Did the short game surprise you at all, Mark? I mean, if you look at his – his strokes gain numbers, they were fantastic on Saturday. Some of the best we've ever seen. I mean, he, he gained 4.228 strokes gained around the greens. I know that's your favorite statistic. Um, and, but he was only 37%, 37.5% getting up and down on Sunday. Would you think that was just the different pin locations? Do you think he just faced different shots or do you think Saturday was just that kind of special day? Saturday was a special day, but he did reference the fact that with these greens that are some of the smallest on tour, uh, you've got to, if you miss, and I think he had nine greens on Saturday, you've got to miss in the right places. 
And so he was chipping from underneath the hole. And look, one of those chip-ins on 14 was a little fortunate because it was, it was moving pretty fast when it hit yeah. the flagstick down. So I, Friday was, uh, Saturday, pardon me, wasn't an outlier. Today was just difficult. It was downright hard out there. And, you know, it started to play firm. And, and, and me walking out there, you could feel the firmness of the ground under your feet. And then you get one hard bounce on the side of a green. And instead of just stopping there like it did early in the week, it bounced 30, 40, 50 feet off the green. And then all of a sudden, you're having to do something miraculous. So uh, a lot of what you saw today was driven by the conditions. I mean, if, if, if you want to protect the game, and that's a different subject entirely, but you give a professional golfer firm greens, firm fairways, and, and rough, and, and, and you're going to see the scores go up. And that's exactly what we saw today around a very demanding golf course. Are we talking about the distance report now, Mark? I uh, didn't go there. It was a smooth. That was a smooth little transition. If you want to get into that, Kyle, <laughs> I'm down. Let's talk about it. Well, what I mean, so you you look at just to to continue on Phil Mickelson because Phil is uh, kind of in an interesting place. He said he's noted that it's uh, the athleticism of the players that have led to all this added distance. You see Phil now competing at this age, and he he was there in position to win this golf tournament today. I mean, through six holes, he had himself. A, a very good, very realistic shot at winning, and it got away from him. Do you think, looking at Phil, do you think that his added distance is something that's going to allow him to continue to compete for the rest of this year? Do you think this is just a venue that he really likes, and uh, and, and we're going to see a similar sort of fade that we did last year? I think probably the the fade. I mean, it, it, and this is not just a one-year thing. I mean, if you look at his last, I don't know, five years, he, he – He'll have a this like mini run in January, February, March, and you're like, oh, Phil, you know, this could be interesting. Masters, you know, it's the, will the U.S. Open happen? And then if you look at his last four or five months in each of those years, it's just it's not very good, and it's gotten kind of progressively worse in each of the last five years. I, I don't, you know, I, I think the distance the distance only goes so far. I mean, you look at his strokes gain on on approach shots. He's 44th on Saturday. He lost a stroke and a half. He's 44th on Sunday. He lost half a stroke. He finishes. I mean, I, I know you you can only measure pebble, so you're only measuring two rounds. He finishes 62nd in approach shots. I mean, that is not the that's not the formula for contending in golf tournaments, as as you guys know. So it feels a little bit like he was he was. I don't I don't want to say saved. He was kind of buoyed by his short game, especially on Saturday. And that's not sustainable. That's that's not the formula for uh, for contending and winning. But he is kind of riding a little mini heater right now. You go you go Saudi Arabia third. You go uh, Pebble third. So you know it'll be interesting to see how how that kind of plays out over the next few weeks leading into uh, to the Players Championship. If I might, Greg, sorry, we were having a pretty uh, my colleagues and I were having a pretty spirited conversation about this. Um, couple nights ago and Frank Nobler made a very good point and I've sort of maintained this and he galvanized at some of these observations and he said week in and week out of the best hitters the person who chips and putts the best is the person who's going to win and I think that's a very savvy observation and I guess that sort of backs up what Carl's saying you know if Phil can hit the ball better which you know he sounds very happy with his golf swing at least what he was saying to us after the final round here the way the short game's going, he can contend. But if he continues to be a little erratic with a driver and put himself on the back foot and playing defense with the irons, you can chip and putt till the cows come home. And, and I don't think you'll be able to win tournaments consistently. Yeah, but do, do you trust where where his irons are going right now, Mark? I mean, it, I, I, look, I don't. Pebble to me is is always one of those things where you got to sort of throw it out, and this is not me being me anti-statistics, but with small greens and with winds and stuff like that, you know, you can get bad bounces and then it's a, a green that's missed or something like that, and and you can get a firm bounce over a green or get a gust. I mean, I saw Jason Day, I was covering him, on 12, the Daniel par 3. I mean, this dude had an iron off the tee that came up 10 yards short of the front bunker. And that's not what a former number one golfer in the world does. So, so, so I'm prepared to throw out some of the stats. I, I, I think after next week around a place like, you know, Riviera where Phil's played well, um, I think that'll be a better barometer of where his game is and where the iron game and the golf swing is right now. 
I just think so. If you go back to some of Phil's best years, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it right now. He we we talk a lot about the short game, the putting, the chipping. That that's the stuff that 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 makes Sports Center that gets the headlines. His iron play though, every year, top ten, top ten, ninth, fifth, eleventh, seventh. And right now, you know, last year he's uh 122nd on in strokes gain approach the green. This year he's like 91st. I just he'll have weeks where it's clicking, but I just I don't trust where some of his iron where where where, he, where some of his ball fights and and some of his iron play is going right now. I don't I don't find much reason to trust it either. It, especially you look at a day like today when he hit the ball in the fairway a lot more. Uh, he he wasn't necessarily able to to gain on on strokes approaching the green. He he hit ten of he hit ten greens after hitting eleven fairways. And I know that the conditions were difficult. And I know that some of the bounces he got were extreme. To your point, Mark. I mean, on number twelve, he landed it just over the green and it kicked thirty seven yards over. It ends up thirty seven yards past the flag. On on thirteen, he hits a pitching wedge. Uh, just over the green and it bounces way over the green. And I'm sure that there's some wind to that, especially when you combine uh, the miss Jason Day had on number 12. But at some point, that's what separates Phil Mickelson at a place like Pebble Beach, where he's won five times. He's had the success he's had there because he's able to dial in the distance of his approach shots. So I, I definitely have some concerns with Phil. And while this is uh, a little mini heater, as you mentioned, Kyle, I wonder if this is just kind of um a little short-lived i wonder if this is just two weeks of him getting a way to find the ball uh get find a way to get the ball in the hole excuse me yeah i, I mean i i think that certainly could be the case is he playing riviera next week i haven't even looked at that. he is yes is he playing riviera yeah. okay i mean that's just you know you go into that week and you're like is phil gonna beat jt and rom and roar like what do you i mean for him i think you're playing to like you're playing for, I, honestly, like, it sounds dumb, but again, world ranking points. So I do think there's stuff to build on there. I just, I just don't, I, I, I can't trust it for, for four straight days in, in any given event. Um, so one other guy that we got to get into here, cause I, I tend to agree with you. Wait till Kyle, wait till you see the field next week at Riviera. It's, it's sick. It's crazy. Stacked. So, uh, for Phil, Phil for me is a, definitely a guy who struggles to kind of make the notable list other than his name brand and his finish this week. Okay. Phil is definitely a second tier when it comes to that field next week. But, uh, but we did, we have not talked about the winner of this tournament yet uh, here at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and that's Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor shot uh, 32 on the front nine in the final round. He had one of the better rounds uh, going on the course and he ended up shooting a 70 which was good enough for a four shot victory over Kevin Streelman. What, what did you make of this performance here? I mean, Nick Taylor's a guy you probably haven't heard of. He did win the Sanderson farms five years ago. He was the number one amateur in the world for 20 weeks back in 2009, but he's not a guy we've heard of a lot. He has not really been in contention very much over the past five years. He's not a real familiar name. What did you see him do so well this week, Mark? Um, well, I think there was a lot of comfort level for him because as, as you know, he's Canadian and he, he went to college where he was an all America at the University of Washington. And, and you know, it's very similar conditions up there to what we have had in Northern California this week. And he, he's played this event five times and he's had a top 10 and a few, a top 25, I believe it was. So there's some, an element of comfortability, you know, showing up here. He didn't bring the best of form coming into the event, but you know, he came out and, and, and he dealt with the pro-am format of this whole thing well because the play is slower. You're playing on three different courses. You know, oftentimes you, you, you're playing off, um, in, in some different times of the day kind of thing. So you're out early or late. And so I think it was just a very mature performance from a guy who's been around the PGA tour for a long time. I mean, that victory at the Sanderson Farms, that came pretty early in his career. So. It was a guy that's been through the grinder some, and, and today, because of that, having to deal with the adversity of sort of being a bit of a journeyman for a while, a guy who had a lot expected of him but didn't really break out, I, I think that sort of galvanized him and prepared him for what he went through today under difficult conditions with a lion's share of the crowd pulling for Phil. Um, so I, I, I was impressed. I mean, he's always been a good ball striker. But he, he was pretty sharp and, and he sort of did what he had to do coming down the stretch. I mean, I, I, it, it, what impressed me the most really, it was 
after making double on 14 to come back there and birdie on 15. I mean, that was a masterclass in my opinion. So it was a very mature, very savvy performance, I thought. I, I couldn't agree more. When I when I look through Nick Taylor, because I'm like, part of me is like, what what has this guy been doing? I know I've been aware of his name. I've I've known. I know I remember his win at the Sanderson Farms, but it's like he he's just been a journeyman, like you said, not a guy that you see a lot of. You don't hear a lot about him, and so you don't really know what's going on with him. And as I started to look through some of his statistics, you know, where does and this is what I always do when somebody wins on tour. Like, how how did I not pick this guy? And, and that unfortunately seems to happen uh, far too often. But uh, you know, why why did Nick Taylor win? Was there any sign leading into the tournament that um, that maybe somebody should have been aware of that we missed? And as I look through what what he did differently than Phil Mickelson, what he did differently than Jason Day, he played the steady game. If you if you look at what he's done with his driving accuracy. For the past five years, he's basically been below 62 percent. He's re- his high has been 62. His low has been 56 percent of the of the fairways hit, which typically is not a very important statistic on the PGA Tour. If you look at his greens of regulation, I mean, this is like Mark Immelman kind of statistics here. Fairways and greens, right? 64 uh, percent to 67 percent. His greens of regulation were 67 percent in 2019. We get to 2020 and he jumps up. 7% in his fairways and he jumps up 6% in his greens of regulation. And what does he do this week? Well, all of a sudden he's, he's tied third in greens of regulation and he's tied seventh in fairway accuracy and he played the steady game. And we saw a calmness out of him on Sunday that was, uh, it, it was surprising, I think, to most and it was extremely impressive. I think for him being able to get the ball into the first eight fairways. Uh, I think it took a lot of pressure off of his game and he was kind of able to forget about the fact that he had Phil Mickelson and Jason Day trying to chase him down. Yeah. You know, the thing that, that I started thinking about as he's playing the bite nine, like we can talk about, I I feel like we sort of, we do this thing when we talk about everything that we, we, and and I know Mark gets fired up about this. we, We reduce everything to statistics or, um, just these things that we can measure. You can't measure what you're feeling on the back nine at Pebble when you're, when you're playing alongside Phil, who won it last year. And, and this guy's got as many wins as you have top tens worldwide on every tour. Excuse me. He has twice as many wins. Right. So, so Phil's got 44 PGA Tour wins. Nick Taylor has 46 top tens worldwide over the course of his career professionally. That's not PGA Tour. That's in, that's everywhere. And, you can't, I just, I don't know. I, I think sometimes we forget like what, what, what does that feel like? Like what are you, what are you thinking as you're coming up 18 with a four? What do you think about you make double on 14? You know, you're like, wow, well, this is, this is great. This is going to be on national television. Um, so you I are, just, you're, you're making my heart sing right now. I tell you what, I mean, you are so astute with this observation because I don't know if you guys were watching our coverage, but you know, Nick Felder, who's a Hall of Famer, he's been around the block, you know, and, yeah. and there was more than once coming down the stretch that I'm hearing him go, wow. I mean, this is getting tough for, for poor Nick Taylor right now. And he was referencing what he'd be going through mentally and emotionally. And that's something that people don't talk about. And I tell you what, he came through with flying colors because that thing could have gone in the tank like in a hurry after the 14th hole. But he hung in there and he finished it off. Yeah, for sure. And I, I thought that was, uh, you know, that's super impressive. And you're not, if you're Nick Taylor, it's kind of like how I felt with Shane Lowry when in the open last year. You know, how many, how many shots do you get at something like this? Is he going to win 10 times? No. Is he going to win five? Probably not. So yeah. to, to get it at Pebble against Phil, that's pretty cool. You're almost thinking, I, I, what goes through my mind, if I'm playing with Phil in that situation, I'm, I'm thinking, what does Phil think of me? What is Phil thinking of my game right now? Like, if, <laughs> is he going to like me? What's after? this guy's name again? Yeah. Are we going to be friends after? Is he going to get my name wrong in the, in the interview afterwards? What, <laughs> where, what's Phil think of me? Cause it, this isn't somebody that would be an idol, right? He's an idol for most of these guys out on the PGA tour. And, and now you're stepping up in the, in the ring with him going for you know 18 holes and it's it's not an easy thing you're what you, you know, led the whole tournament that's tough you know what i'd like to add I, I honestly think that the conditions played into nick taylor's favor a little bit because it was so difficult 
that you're basically grinding on every shot and you know that everyone's grinding on every shot and you know that there's nothing really low to be had by anybody out there. So it is, was like a war of attrition and you got your nose to the grindstone. So, so in a funny sort of a way, you, you, you don't think about, maybe you'll think about Phil after he chips in or he does something like that, but, but, but it was just such hard work that, that I think that sort of played into his favor just in, in a strange sort of a way. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's almost, it's so hard. You, there's nothing else you can focus on, yeah. but like not embarrassing yourself. You're not really worried about it. The distractions are almost limited because it's so tough and you got to worry about just keeping your ball between the galleries. And he did a great job of that. I mean, he was, he was extremely impressive off the tee. He was extremely impressive with the putter and he was, he was on phase. It was very impressive. But Mark, you mentioned, um, you, you mentioned the nothing really low to be had out there. And the closest thing to a charge that we really saw was Kevin Streelman with a 68, uh, coming in in the final round there, four under par 68 to move into a solo second. It was an impressive day for him. He, I saw him hit some great little flighted wedge shots in there close. He, he hit some phenomenal shots and is able to win the, the am the pro am event with Larry Fitzgerald for the second time in three years. So impressive stuff for him. Congratulations to Kevin Streelman. Uh, what do you, what do you think of Kevin Streelman's game right now? It, it, it seems to be in really good form. Is this something we can expect to see going forward for the rest of the year? There's certain golf courses that seem to fit into his, his mode. Um, he hits a really heavy ball. I mean, the ball cuts a hole in the wind when he strikes it. He, he's sort of sneaky long, but when, when conditions get blustery, like they were when they were down in uh, Innisbrook when he got his victory down there um, at the Velspar a few years ago. He, he really does well when conditions get difficult and they're crosswinds because he just hits the ball so heavy through the through the air. So uh, so it, it's when conditions get like this that he seems comfortable. But, I mean, he's figured out Pebble Beach. This is one of those places, Spyglass, certainly Pebble also, less so Monterey Peninsula, the the – country club that, that there's a bit of a, a puzzle to solve to play these golf courses as well and he seems to have figured that out because whenever he shows up yeah he plays pretty solid i mean the shot he hit under 15 that little wedge shot from 86 yards that speaks to exactly what you're talking about it just it almost looked like it had topspin it just cut right through the wind went up there to 10 feet it was a, it was a great shot kyle what, what did you think about his performance this week yeah, I mean, it was really good. I, I think, um, so he goes 35-33 on Sunday. And he played Pebble on Saturday also. He went out in 31, which was crazy. And he's playing with Crooked Larry Fitzgerald, who's sandbagging, you know, everything he looks at. He's won the, the, the amateur part of this, you know, twice now. But, um, I'm kidding about that. <laughs> uh, you know, Stroman, Stroman's great. He, I don't know. I don't know if I have like a ton of Kevin Streelman takes. He's just, he's one of those guys that you're like, oh yeah, he's like the 70th best guy in the world. And I never think about him. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a bigger like philosophical question. Like, do we over, do we think too much or give too much, um, airtime or, 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 or lip service to like the top 11 guys. Cause those are the guys we talk. I mean, we, Nick Taylor wins the event. We f- spend the first 15 minutes talking about Phil. Right. And, and that's just, that's just kind of how this thing works. And so I don't know. I mean, like Mark said, he played great. Uh, he was, he was really impressive. Look, you go out and shoot, what do you shoot? 68 on Sunday. Yeah. And, but he gained six and a half strokes on the field. There's only, I mean, look, there was only like, 11 guys that were under par on Sunday. That's crazy considering how many guys, uh, there were in the field. Yeah. One, two, three. Yeah. There was like 12 guys. Uh, Spieth was five under. He was the best round. Maverick McNeely and Kevin Streelman were both four and then Berger was three. And that was yeah, it. Four rounds in the sixties. Yeah. And so, I mean, to do that on that course, I just, I give extra weight to doing it at Pebble. I, I don't know if that's the right way to look at it, but it's just different to me than if you're doing it at, you know, the, the I don't want to pick on any tournament in particular. So I'll just say I, right. I give I give extra credit to doing it at Pebble too. Now you mentioned an interesting thing to me. Do we, should we talk about Kevin Streelman more often? I, and I, the thing is that's hard about this is there's not a lot of opportunity to talk about. He's a great player and he's what I call a popper. He pops up at some tournaments and he can contend, he can come from seven behind and win. He can make a ton of birdies and bunches, but for the most part, 
he's a guy that can miss a lot of cuts too. And I, I always, I'm aware of Kevin Streelman because I'm always looking for picks for the week, right? I'm always digging through some statistics and I'm watching on Sunday. I'm trying to see who do I like for certain courses. And to Mark's point, there are a lot of courses that, that you would think, well, maybe not a lot, but there are some courses where Kevin Streelman fits perfectly. It seems like every time I choose him there, he misses the cut and he's been fairly inconsistent. I mean, this year he's already missed seven cuts in 11 events that he's played last year. He missed 10 cuts in, in 26 events there. He missed seven cuts in, in 2018. So he's a, he's a guy that can be a little, uh, a little hot and cold. And he signifies to me this 80, 20 rule, which is you make 80% of your dollars in 20% of your events. And that's really what you see with Kevin Streelman. So, but hey, good on him for for uh, moving his way up the leaderboard on Sunday. It was it was impressive stuff. A um, couple of other guys that we got to get into here before we before we jump to a quick break, and that is Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth yes. to me is the is the next topic of conversation. Uh, look, is this this was he shot the low round of the day, Kyle, as you mentioned. Mark, when you look at Jordan Speed, because I know we're going to get a little bias out of out of Kyle here. So a I'll little. Start with you, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> just a, a little lot. bit. So what do you make of this? Is this a one-time deal, or is this something we can get used to seeing out of Jordan Speed? Well, last week um, we got word then Phoenix that he had made a change to his grip, and uh, he had strengthened up his grip a little bit, which I um, questioned because, as you know, as an instructor, you know that kicks off a chain reaction of events throughout the golf swing and matchups get kind of tossed out the window. But it did work out better and he drove the golf ball better, but he did miss on Sunday. We were covering him a, a few balls with wedges and stuff long and left, as you would expect, because the stronger a grip becomes, the more the face shuts down. Um, but as looking through the numbers today uh, and, and, and yesterday, the days we had shot link numbers because we didn't have shot link stuff at uh, Spyglass in Monterey Peninsula. I mean, he was second off the tee uh, in strokes gained off the tee on Saturday, and he led the field strokes gained approach to the green today. So uh, I think, personally, that Cameron McCormick now and uh, Jordan Spieth are onto a winning wicket. You know, they'd been barking up some wrong trees. or well, I don't know what they were doing, so don't quote me on that. But for a while, it just seemed like they were spinning their wheels. But 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 it seems like something they, they've gained some traction now. And, and so now I, I, I now I want to see okay. They, they've sort of got the taproot into the ground. They've made a little headway. How do we, how do we build, uh, how does, how does he build on this now? And so I'm, I'm sort of charged up about his performance some um, because uh, I think for a long time when they were, you know, making all of these moves to look like you're trying to get him more power. Now it's some club face control and he looks like he's, he's, he's building up to that. Kyle, let's hear it. What, let's hear the bias. Mark, right do you? It. Do you uh do you want a company discount on the stock that I'm selling back to everybody? I'll take a discount. <laughs> I need a big discount though. Uh you know, it's um I think the most uh encouraging thing is his strokes gained on approach shots on Sunday. I think it was like four or four and a half or something like that. And the the reason that's encouraging is because it was uh yeah, four point five seven. The reason that's encouraging is because <clears throat> twenty seventeen and a little bit in twenty fifteen, he we talk about him being the best guy from from uh on, on approach shots in those years, specifically twenty seventeen. He was unbelievable on approach shots. Yeah, I think he was and, second on tour. Yeah, and the thing he did best was I thought controlling his ball, controlling his distances, right? And what happened on Sunday is it's so windy and this is such a, it can be a, you can get these weird lies and it's kind of wonky and that's where he's so good. Remember he plays great at Kapalua. He plays great at Augusta, like places like that where it's any, and he's talked about that. He's like, I love playing those places because I can just sort of let my athleticism take over. And so I think that's the encouraging thing is it's blowing, it's it's tough conditions, it's windy, and you go out and put a 67 on Pebble on on Sunday in that in that weather. That's that's real. That's a real thing. The driving, I mean, it's it was all over the place. He was second on Saturday, 64th on Sunday. I still don't know what I'm getting there, but it's for me, it's all about the approach shots with him, and if he can figure that out. Then he can be he can be the a top five guy again. 
See, I, I think that strokes gained approach the green, or should I say iron play? It's a, I just iron play in general, I think, is a critical aspect of the game at this level for a couple of reasons. One, it, it allows you to hit it close to the hole to, to create birdie opportunities, obviously. But you mentioned controlling your ball. And when a Jordan Spieth, when you see Jordan Spieth rack up the putting statistics that he will rack up in a year, a lot of that comes from placing the ball with irons into the proper places. Yeah. Again, that's why he plays at Kapalua really well. That's why he plays in Augusta National really well, because he understands, first of all, he has the, the wisdom, the knowledge to hit the ball into the right places, but then he also has the ability to go ahead and do it. And that sets him up to make a lot of putts, and that's what you see. Now, the the concern I have with Jordan going forward, so all that's very optimistic, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that that iron play is really, really important for Jordan. But the thing that gives me concern is I feel like, there's a lot of required maintenance, a lot of required upkeep for him. And when you look at what happens, he I've made the analogy before many times about it's like a little bit like whack-a-mole with him. He works on his iron play because it was bad, and then his putting gets bad. And then he goes to work on his putting, and then he loses his, his iron play and his driving. And I just wonder how much time does he need to maintain the full swing? How much time does he maintain to uh, – how much time does he need to maintain the putting stroke? And a couple things I saw with the putter this week, it looks like while he did have a pretty good putting week, at least a good Sunday putting, it looks like he's got the toe of the putter up in the air a little bit more. And it looks like he's gotten rid of the arch in, in his, uh, in, in his left wrist, where typically for Jordan in 2015 and in recent years, the thumb kind of what I mean by arch, the thumb bends away from your forearm. Whereas the opposite of that would be maybe you call it a hinge where the thumb gets closer to the forearm. I'm seeing more of the hinge and less of the arch and it creates a little bit lower hands and the toe gets up in the air a little bit. And that gives me some concern. And I don't know if that's something they have worked on intentionally or if that's something uh, that is just kind of crept in there. And if it's crept in there, I, I am afraid that this iron play may not last so long because just so much upkeep. What, what do you think about that, Mark? Ah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're taking, and 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 I agree there. Um, the the thing for me with with it all is like you talk about dri- driving an iron play, and you're breaking it down into segments. You know, for me with Jordan, it's just working on the golf swing, and and the beauty about his short game is when I've asked him before, I'm like, what do you work on in putting? And he said he works on the timing of of his backstroke to downstroke, the ratio of speed. And then he just works on alignment a bunch. When you'll see him on the greens, it's always just get the face on line, get the body on line, and then he sort of let, let stuff go from there. So the work he does on the putter is pretty um, rudimentary. Um, I, I think still the challenge remains with ironing out the control from T2 green um, because the, the golfers that he's trying to compete with are all very good from tee to green. I mean, you, you can list them, uh, the list is long. So, so, so I think it, it's about the golf swing and, and Jordan's just, he's a wizard with a wedge. So you, I'm, I'm not too concerned with him around the greens. He'll find a way, even when he's putting badly, um, to, to, to still make his share. So, so for me, it's still very much golf swing based, I would say. And he did get himself into the top 50 in the world, qualify for, WGC Mexico it might be a good time to buy some of that uh, some of that discounted stock that Kyle's offering up but before we get to a break here one last <laughs> player to get to and that is Jason Day and a player who really struggled on the greens today uh, he had four three putts he shot three over par today on Sunday and, uh, and and he really seemed to struggle on the greens which is uncharacteristic of a Jason Day he's hitting great iron shots uh, giving himself plenty of looks and he couldn't make any of them, and he was then three putting when he when he got a little bit farther away from the hole. Um, Mark, you were out there. Do you think that's just a factor of conditions, or is this rust? What, what do you what? Where does this come from, from Jason Day? Well, I was covering his group for the CBS show, and uh, there was a lot of waiting out there. And the three putts he missed. He had a three putt on seventeen that he left woefully short. But you're putting downhill; it looks like it's brisk, and you're putting back into the wind. He had that three putt where the thing hooked out of the hole on 11, which is gruesome. I mean, it was, he was in a place above the hole where you couldn't stop it inside of four feet. Um, so it almost he, came he, back and hit himself in the foot. Did, yeah. He walks up to me with a smile on his face and he goes, jeez. And I'm like, man, the hole must look like a thimble right now. And he laughed at me and he goes, it does. 
And then I was like, but, but I'm like, but from my vantage point, it looks like you hit the ball where you were intending to all the times. He said, yes, the one on 11 was right there. Then there was one on 12. I think it got left fast. Then there was one there somewhere else. I think it was on 16 where he was putting down from the front left-hand portion of the green. Um, we left it short, which everyone was doing. Frank Nobolo mentioned. And then he had a putt that just darted left fast. Um, but he did make two really difficult putts on 14 and 15, both of them downwind, downhill, breaking from the left. And so that's the, like, for me, like the, the acid test for a golfer's putting stroke. So, I mean, I'm, bo- Jason is bullish on the way he's feeling. You mentioned so to me on 18. He hit the ball beautifully. I think today was largely conditions that, that the, 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 the ball wasn't going in the hole because the strokes still look pretty fluid and pretty pure to me. Do you buy that, Kyle? Are you, are you in on that? You think Jason Day is coming back to the Jason Day we all once knew and loved? Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it comes down to injuries for him. You know, I just read a headline where he said he was considering retirement. He's only like 33 or 32, yeah. something like that. I mean, I think him and him and Ricky Fowler are pretty close to the same age, which is, which is crazy. But I mean, the thing for me, like when he was winning at the clip he was winning at back when he won that players, he won that PGA. Uh, he, he was, and, and it, I, I, I always have to go back and look it up because in my head, I'm like, this can't be true. He was the best putter in the world for like four years and it wasn't even close. I mean, yeah. he had, a, I think he had a couple of the best strokes gained putting seasons ever, like since we've been measuring for the last two decades, essentially. And so now I, he, he doesn't, he seems like he's like fallen off from that. Like he's a good putter. He, but he's not, it's not like, Hey, Jason is the best putter in the world and it's not close. And so I think what you run into with him is sometimes like this week, he'll hit it really good. And in the past, if he would have done that, you're like, Oh, that's a wrap. Jason Day's going to win by four, you know, at, at Tory or, or, you know, all the different places that he's won. And this week it just didn't happen. I think that's been, I don't, I wouldn't call it a shock to the system, but that, that's been the thing for me that has shifted a little bit over the last two or three years. You mentioned injury, and to me, this is the biggest thing. This is where the the slip in putting kind of starts from. To me, the the back injury. When you're dealing with a back injury, believe it or not, it's harder to practice putting than it is to practice with a driver for the most part, because you're bent, you're standing bent over for a longer period of time, and you usually have to bend over more with the driver. You're standing as upright as you are with any other club. So. Um, when, when you can't practice putting as much because of injury, it affects that putting stroke. And I think we've seen a little bit of that with Jason. So, uh, I'm, I'm like you watching the health. And if he can stay healthy, I, I think we're going to have, um, I, I think he, he'll do fine. I, I think today was a kind of an anomaly type day. It's almost like the final round of the Sony. It gets so difficult. It, you just get on the wrong side of a couple shots, a couple bad breaks, and all of a sudden the round looks really ugly. But it's not necessarily a sign of extremely poor play. So I look to Jason Day, and, and I'm I'm very happy with his finish. I was hoping he was going to win. But given that he was my one-and-done pick for the week, um, I'm pretty happy with the solo fourth finish. And To that, what, if I can share this, this is from his coach, Colin Swatton, long-time coach and caddy for a while. Um he texted me before our show today and he said, Jason's back's doing better. He's able to do more practice, even with the putting, which you pointed out there, Greg, um, yeah. which was just a month or so ago. Gone back to hitting draws with the irons, similar to 2015, 2016. Uh, Luke Reardon is the full-time caddy. He's not bag sharing anymore, which I think is a good idea. And then uh, Colin writes here, he's excited to play and try to get an early win under his belt and take some good steps toward trying to get back to the top of the world ranking. So, I mean, that's that's Colin Swatton, who I trust highly. And if he's telling me that the back's doing fine, um, I'm I'm believing. That was his first. That was his first top ten. So he finished T five at the Masters last year. He only had one other top ten between uh, after that Masters and today. Do you guys know which tournament it was? You got to give me a second here to think about that. No, I don't. It was the Travelers Championship. And oh, I think, that's right. I think that was the week where he, he had the like thing with Steve Williams where he was like – it was like boot camp on the range or something. And yeah. uh, and he finished T8 that week. And everything else has been like miscut, T40, T52. It's just – it's been a, it's been a uh, not great 12 months for Jason Day. I like to see that uh, the, they're working on the iron play a little bit, going back to something that's – 
that may that may explain what what you were saying, Mark. Why this iron iron play has been so poor basically since 2015. It's been this gaping hole in his game for a player with all the with the distance that he has, the, and he's accurate off the tee as well. So a long and straight driver of the ball uh, with one of the best short games, one of the best putting strokes in the game, and he's not really winning at the clip we all expected. It was because of this iron play, and so maybe he gets back into this draw. Um, maybe that'll be. Um, Maybe that'll be helpful for him going forward because I do think that was the biggest hole in his game uh, as long as he's healthy. But anyway, he was my one-and-done pick for the week. I do want to talk about the one-and-done and give that update uh, largely because Jason Day had the best week out of anyone in this league. So we'll talk about that next. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Back to our one and done update here. And as I was saying before the break, Jason Day had the best week of any of the selections here. We had a Patrick Cantlay pick who did pretty well. Uh, Kyle Porter, Max Homa was your pick this week. I found that to be a very interesting pick. Do you think, uh, did, did you think you were going to have to go that deep? What, what's with this pick? What, why do you think Max Homa is, uh, the type of player that, you know, is, is worthy of a one and done pick? Uh, well, I, I just felt good about it, honestly. Like, I, I I wanted to save like the Cantlay and the, I I don't really trust DJ right now and so I, I started looking around and I was like I I don't know I mean Homo was kind of sticking out to me he came in uh, two straight top tens finished T yeah. ten finished T ten here last year so you're like well he plays plays pretty well here and he kind of hung around the top ten all week until I think he shot a thirty eight on the back nine on Sunday which just destroyed it but. Uh, good week for him. You know, he finishes T14, six under, and I got what I wanted out of him, which was kind of middle of the pack, uh, you know, get a little money and, and move on to the next one. Yeah, keep yourself in the mix. I, I mean, it, it was a pick that I, I liked Max Homer. Rick and I on Tuesday were talking about him, and he was a guy that we were definitely interested in, but I just thought it was a, an extremely aggressive one-and-done pick. But, hey, it, it worked out well. He got the job done, and he did a little better than Brand Snedeker. Mark, I know you were in the email chain. You were saying uh, there was a chance of a late pivot to Jason Day, but you stuck with Brand Snedeker 
Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to make the cut. What do you think? And it was a difficult, I mean, he was right on the cut line and 18 at Pebble Beach on Saturday did him in uh, as he, as he hit it down into the waste area there on the left hand side near the ocean. What, what led to the pick of Brant Snedeker and why did you stick with him over Jason Day? Um, you know what? Honestly, it's, it's just because he's played so well. Yeah. So often not the day hasn't. I, I was a little concerned as to how Jason was feeling, but after talking to him and having him look me in my eye and tell me the back is good, then I'm like, okay, I'm a believer now. Um, so, so I, I just stuck there because it was going to be cold later in the week and you know, you play early mornings and the back isn't as limber. And so I was like, I'm going to go with Sneds who is, this is just a happy hunting ground. But the truth of it is, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm injured right now and I'm considering taking a little time off from this league because, uh, <laughs> Goodness, I've got like three missed cuts in the last four weeks. We've got to get back to the drawing board here in a hurry. You're yeah. still beating Rick, though. <laughs> Which, yeah, you are You are beating Rick. You're in six of seven right now. Um, and, you know, I, the thing is that when I was earlier in the year, I was listening to you talk about how, you know, some of your strategies and how you've won multiple one-and-done leagues before. And I was thinking, man, I got to well, – one thing I might do is just copy Mark's pick every week. And, and that'll kind of put me in contention towards the end, but I'm, I'm glad I've gone with my own strategy here. I, as I said, I did pick Jason Day this week who had the best finish of anyone. Um, uh, and so right now, the, the way it is right now in the field, we have Appy Barnrat. And see, I still don't know who Appy Barnrat is, which is a, a problem because he's that's, leading uh, the way. That's EK. That's our, that's our boss. Oh, Eric K. Yeah. He, that's he EK. runs, he runs all the, he, see, here's the deal. See, he I runs thought he was the, the creek. No, he runs all the podcast stuff, and then he just listens to all of our takes, and we forget him, and he's like, oh, that sounds good. Right, so, so he that's where he, right. he gets all of our info, yeah. here's all of our takes, puts them all together. See, I just got it mixed up, because there's, I got, we got the Creek here, who's in third, now behind me after this week, then we have our producer Jacob in fourth, we got Kyle Porter in fifth, who's right there in the mix, uh, Mark and Rick have had some mixed, miscuts struggles. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really been who is the creek who who i don't know who's in third i, I who is, see i thought that i thought that was uh that was um our our fearless leader ek so now ek is uh ek is like the biggest barn rat fan on on the planet so that's definitely ek in first okay well he's definitely in first by a, a little bit of a ways i'm gonna try to catch him going in this week oh mike oh there's our producer jacob michael kaiser who's a uh, daily fantasy addict. So he's in there in the mix as well. So uh, all good stuff. It's looking good in the in the one-and-done league. Mark, if you need a little time off, uh, no, just no, let no, us know. I've, I've revisited my decision. I'm going to strengthen my grip just a little bit. <laughs> okay, I like it. <laughs> I'm going to be ready for Riviera. I'm back. You think the strong grip's going to benefit you at Riviera? I do, yeah. The, that golf course likes a little bit of a draw, so we're going to try and turn it from right to left to see what happens. Guys, I got to say, I am pumped about Riviera. I am, I am fired up. It feels, it feels like this is like beginning of, of like, ma- of like major season, Masters, all, like everything. It feels like the this field's, is the, the field's like a major field. I mean, it is as good as I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's Thank start you. it tomorrow. Can I do this and just give the West Coast swing some love? Because my lord, I mean, how good is this West Coast swing? You're in and you're out. The golf courses are just spectacular. The weather has been fine. I mean, we started at Torrey Pines. That was awesome. Uh, Tiger played there. Phoenix is Phoenix. Then, then you've got this week, Pebble. It's just an American treasure, really, as Nance calls it. And then, of course, Riviera next week, which is awesome. And the field is so strong. So, I mean, this West Coast swing is just awesome. Spectacular golf courses. I couldn't agree more. Uh, another spectacular golf course in the world of golf was Royal Melbourne at the President's Cup, where Ernie Els had a, a great captaincy. In the next President's Cup, he won't be the captain. Does that disappoint either of you? Uh, it disappoints me. Uh, you know, I'd like to, I'd like him to have had another go, but apparently it must have taken it out of him a lot because Ernie's got a lot on the go with these autism foundation in the school and, and and he invested his heart and soul in this thing. And I think, you know, that late comeback by the United States was kind of another dagger that Tiger stuck into Ernie like he did throughout their playing career. And so I think it was a stinging loss. And, and I think he was just overcooked from the whole thing. Now, I, 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 I'm going to give this a few months to settle because maybe he will reconsider. I'm hopefully he will. 
Um, but 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 if that's deci- his decision, all we can do is respect him really because he is he's a very wise man. I'll tell you that. No doubt, Kyle. Are, are you on the same boat here? You think he might reconsider? No, because they're going to let Sung Jay be player captain. So that'll be <laughs> that'll be uh, that'll be. Awesome. I'm already excited about it. Him and Abraham Answer will be co-captains and then. You think Sunjay will play himself for five rounds or do you think he's going <laughs> to give himself some rest Saturday afternoon? No, Sunjay doesn't do rest. <laughs> I think, we, I think if we know anything about Sunjay, he does not sit. So. Although he did rest this week. So, uh, we're, we're going to have him back at the Genesis, but he wasn't in the field this week. I was kind of a little bit disappointed. He was probably playing some sunshine tour event. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, like who knows? He was, he might have been. Sneaking into a corn fairy field, you, you can't. You can't ever. We got to check the OWGR tomorrow. Kyle, before we go, this is just in in other big news here, and this, here I mean, this is this here is big news. Uh, you have a book club, and apparently, Rory McIlroy is taking your recommendations. <laughs> How did this come to be? So people should go read the articles in the uh, the Irish Independent. Uh, Paul Kimmage, is that how you say it, Mark? I'm not sure. I think it's Paul Kimmage. He did a couple of interviews with Rory, and they're really good. They're these long-form interviews, and uh, Rory talks about everything. He's the best interview in golf. It's not really close, I don't think. Anyway, he brought up a, a book called Digital Minimalism that I had brought up to him at the Masters last year. Because I was writing an article on um, how you can't have your phone at the Masters and how at Augusta and how refreshing that is, how much fun it is for a week to not have your phone on you. And so we kind of went back and forth on that. And, uh, yeah, he just kind of mentioned it in there, which was very kind. Um, but, yeah, book, book club, join in. Let's go. How do we join? <laughs> I want in. If Rory's in there, I want in. Yeah, speed, speed's next. Speed, speed. I got some uh, psychology books for speed to roll through. So heading into wow. the, into the major season. Wow, a little dig at your own at your own. No, oh, I, hey, look, I'm there's yeah, I, no no bigger fan, no owner of more stock than Jordan Speed than me. Well, I, I love it. Love Jordan. Hopefully, he can continue this run of good play. Uh, also, love hosting the first cut with you guys. You guys were great. Thanks again for joining um and i'm i'm like you excited for the genesis so we're going to have one of the best fields definitely the best field of the year um and a good little uh good little event here on the west coast swing so very excited for that uh, i'm greg ducharme thank you for joining me you can get me on twitter at the real gfd kyle porter you can get on twitter at kyle porter cb uh, underscore cbs and you can get I, i'm sorry no underscore there just at kyle porter cbs and mark immelman you can get at mark underscore Immelman, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.